you're just in time to hear this week's episode, because you never know when the world's going to end. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to A Plus Podcast. I'm your host, D.L. McDonald. Uh, is the audio fine? This is my third or fourth time recording it. I'm trying to mix it myself. I want to make sure it's great for everybody. So, two weeks ago, top five uh, of our favorite Canadian films of the 80s. Today we are doing our top five favorite Canadian films of the 1990s. These might be films that some of you know, if <laughs> that wasn't the case last time. Uh, joining me today, as the last time I did it, will be John H. Foote. Canadian film critic. He, oh wait a minute, um, he's not a, he's a film critic from Canada. He doesn't just do Canadian films, he does it all. Just gotta make sure people know that. The man, uh, knows his stuff. I'm sure, I'm sure you could tell last time when he knew more about the films I chose than I knew myself. <laughs> it will be no different this time. Let's see what we both have on our lists. Take it away, us, on a different recording. Hello, John. Hello. Thank you again. Uh, you're very welcome. Uh, I look forward to hearing your list again this time. Your list last time was very good. Thank you. So yesterday before, uh, I mean, well, yesterday you texted me and said that the later half of the decade was a lot better for Canadian films. Is there, a, is there a more you can expand on for that? Um, I think two things happened. I think, first of all, the Festival of Festivals became the Toronto International Film Festival. And it kept the Canadian Perspective series alive and running. And it was just more of a chance for people to see Canadian films at, at TIFF. You would go to a, an entire program was set aside for Canadian cinema. And it was cool. I went to see as many as I could. I mean, I had to cover the big American films, too. But it was a chance to really see Canadian films. And when I went to the Genies in 97, 98, 99, and 2000, I'd seen all the movies, which hadn't ever happened before. There'd been a lot I'd missed. So I think the, the festival had a huge impact on Canadian cinema at that time. And people were going. More people were going. Uh, so again, like last time I started off, we'll go okay. from top five, or number five down to number one. And I was asked uh, by some listeners... <laughs> or one listener, uh, they said, maybe I should get you to guess what my list is by giving you clues as to what my movie is. If you think you can figure it out from some clues. You give me, give me three clues and I haven't got it, I give. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get them. Uh, so my number five pick, uh, it introduced a new actor, and this might give it away, uh, Leanne Balaban. New Waterford girl. That's right, New Waterford girl. In the tiny sea-swept town of New Waterford, there lived a dreamer by the name of Mooney. But the dreamer dreamt only of escape. Mooney! Mooney, your shirt's undone. My idea is devious, sinful, and inspired. You think I'm pregnant? And God knows who the father is. Yeah, she's been a whore. New Waterford girl. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I know last time my top one was Bayboy, and it was due in part a bit, I guess, to just being from the area. Although, great movie it is. Mm -hmm. uh, this list, I was, I was hesitant to put this on, but because uh, I, I was struggling, like maybe I was going to add uh, the wrong guy. Big promotion's being announced today, and I think I know who's going to get it. The new president, big surprise, Ken Daly. What? And I am engaged to your daughter. Daly here is engaged to my favorite daughter. What kind of a man has a favorite daughter? And if you do have a favorite, then you should label them favorite and not favorite. The Dave Foley movie with Colin Fiore. But it's not a great movie. The new Waterford Girl really stood out when uh, Tara Spencer Nairn showed up and she started being the, uh, the enforcer in their small community. Yeah. And uh, for those who don't know, the movie was about uh, a girl who uh, her family ostracizes. They, they say she's odd and she's fighting, trying to prove that she's normal. And she feels the only way she can do that is to fake being pregnant and uh, expand her uh, her cred in the town as being sort of a slut, just so people will notice her. <laughs> it's a funny film. It really is. It's a funny film. Yeah. I was very surprised, and that's why it hit number five on my list. Okay. My fifth. Do you want to guess what mine? Oh, I should actually write down what I think one of your things will be. Cause I okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Last time I was wrong. <laughs> I bet you get it. I'll bet you get it this time, Dan. Truly. Okay. My number five is uh, is Black Robe. North America, in the early 17th century, the new world, where men believed the forest spoke and the dead talked at night. I commend to your care, Father Lafour. Love and honor him. In a land at the edge of the world. A story of love, faith. When I die, Jimmy, now we'll go to paradise. Let me baptize you and you'll go there also. And loss of faith. Help me. Black robe. What can we say to people who think their dreams are the real world? This one is an illusion. I would jog, which black robe. Directed by Bruce Beresford in 1990. And it came on the heels of Driving Miss Daisy, which won the Academy Award for Best Picture but for which he was not nominated for Best Director, which was hugely insulting for him. Um, so weird when they do that. They it is. It, it makes no sense. I mean, Ben Affleck wins Best Picture for Argo without a Best Director nomination. It's, it's, yeah. it's silly. But Black Robe was a story of uh, the uh, Jesuits trying to educate the Huron Indians in the 1700s. And it's a stunning period film. They went to great pains to make it accurate. They shot it in sequence so that they could tell the story as it, as it happened logically. Beautifully acted by everybody in the film. Um, August Schellenberg was fantastic as the Indian chief, the father. And uh, Luther Bluteau is excellent, the, the Canadian actor. He's done very well south of the border as well as terrific as the, as the father. And this cleaned up at the genies. It won everything. So a great, great little film. Wow. Not one I've heard of. You should see. You should see it, Dan. <laughs> well, like last time, I put it on my list if you tell me to. <laughs> uh, this next one will be an easy guess for you. I'm pretty sure you're the one who showed me this movie uh, one day in class. Uh, 
I mean, it's going to be so easy to guess when I say it was written and directed by Don McKellar. Oh, last night. Yeah. up on the last night on the planet and you're listening to CKRT the top 500 songs of all time with you until the end so when you're going to a party no people coming over no I'm staying here by myself by yourself I just went out to pick up some things and my husband is somewhere I have to get home three more hours hurry up yeah, uh, and this is the story uh, of it's the last night. Like the world is ending. They don't give much information on it except for the fact that they know it's ending, and it's probably the sun exploding since there is no nighttime sequence. It's all very bright daylight. Yes. Um, Sandra O oh is trying to get back to her husband. They both. She's got guns because they plan on shooting each other, uh, so that the world doesn't kill them mm -hmm. before the world and uh, a really funny bit uh, of David Cronenberg playing the gas manager phoning everybody on the last night saying thank you for your service uh, yes <laughs> and then he's going to do what he can to make sure that the gas stays on yeah. The whole day. <laughs> yeah it was a, it was a great film it came out the, the same year actually as Armageddon and Deep Impact but in this film, no American flies in and saves the day. The world ends. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's on my list a little higher up. So if, if we could talk more about it when I get there. But yeah, I loved it. Very good. My Very number good. four my number four is Cube. A cube. Twenty-six rooms high. Twenty-six rooms across. Seventeen thousand five hundred and seventy-six rooms. Ah! Anybody remember how they got here? Why would they throw innocent people in here? Are we being punished? There's a way in here, so there's got to be a way out. Do you think they'd go to all the trouble to build this thing if we could just walk out? Take a good long look around. Cause I got a feeling it's looking at us. We have about three days without food and water before we're too weak to move. I just want to wake up. I looked in the room down there and something almost cut my head off. Motion detectors integrated into the walls. Tough to spot. We're not getting out of here. Yes, we are. There is no way out of here. We need to get around the traps. They're identified by prime numbers. Figure it out. I can't. I'm not dying in a rat maze. A science fiction film from Vincenzo Natale, which was a complete surprise at TIFF in 1998. It was filmed on a single set, and it's a, it's about a some type of, of place where the cubes keep moving. And at the very beginning of the film, there's a guy who's trying to escape the cube, and he does. And this, this wire thing comes up and cuts through him and turns him into cubes. And he falls apart in front of our eyes. It's really, really inventive. And Vincenzo Natale ended up going south of the border to make movies down there. And now he's back here. But really a radical film. And it came right out of Norman Jewison's school, you know, the Canadian Film Center. And it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Caught everybody off guard and got the highest praise at the festival that year for a Canadian film. Great addition to your list. Thank you. All right, number three. This might be a little harder to guess. Ah, who, who am I kidding? As soon as I tell you Charlton Heston's in it, you'll probably know. Oh. Oh. I don't. You don't. I don't. Uh, Leah Pinsett's also in it, uh, and it was directed by Donald Shah 
Shabib, and it's uh, the Little Kidnappers. In 1899, in what is now South Africa, the Boer War broke out between British troops and Dutch settlers known as Boers. Thousands of young men lost their lives in this bloody struggle. Bitter feelings lingered long after the war was over, even among English, Scottish, and Dutch settlers half a world away. Uh, good day, Mr. Mackenzie. I was just welcoming your grandsons. I'm James Mackenzie. I'm Harry Mackenzie. Uh, this is my brother Davy, sir. I'll get your gear. No, Mackenzie makes friends with boys. Now, Jim, I'm sure Dr. Hoof was merely trying to make the boys feel welcome. Now, that poor war's over and done with, Jim. Means nothing to us no more. Those poor Dutchmen are still in South Africa, the last I heard. They are thieving boars. The Hoofs are settlers, just like you, Jim. The fact that they were Dutch-born makes not a bit of difference to me nor anybody else. I want your opinion, Tom. I'll ask you for it. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry, Don. I know Don Shabib. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> and this, this is a great... Oh, I enjoyed watching this. Uh, Charles Heston is the father of, of, of a man who died in the Boer War. And uh, now his grandsons are being shipped because they're orphaned uh, mm -hmm. from England to Nova Scotia where he's uh, going to look after them and uh, it, it's very interesting to see how Charlton Heston affects the oldest kid uh, because he's very uh, against the boars that do live in the Nova Scotian town so there's a doctor yeah. who, is, who is a boar and his youngest or his oldest grandson sees him uh, being against him in the community, and so the the son takes it upon the grandson takes it upon himself to act out in that same sense when he goes to the school and meets a kid who's a bore. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's very thrilling, uh, especially when the kids are up on his hill and yes. he's firing shots because he doesn't want people up on his hill. And Leah Pinsett has to run in and stop him from uh, shooting the kids. It's a good film. It really is. Don Shabib is a, is a Canadian success story. He went to school at UCLA alongside Francis Ford Coppola. And he came back to Canada and made Going Down the Road, which we, dis which we should discuss in the coming episode, because I think it's the quintessential Canadian film. I mean, it was the first real film about Canada by Canadians for Canadians. And it's just remarkable today as it was back then. I think it's timeless. And he shrugs it off. You know, I say, Don, it's a masterpiece. Oh, it's, it's okay. It's not that great. And I'm like, Dude. You know, but a, but a good, good choice. He's very modest. Yes, I, he I was very shocked at Charlton Heston doing the uh, the accent too. He was uh, very good in this movie. Is it spot on? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, My number three is a Adam Agoyan film from 1999, Felicia's Journey. She left her home. What's your name? Felicia. I'm from Ireland. To search for the man she loved. All I want to do is contact him. You've had enough contact with them. But a chance encounter. Morning. Morning, Mr. Hilditch. Can I help you? Is this where they make lawnmowers? Why? I'm here to see a friend. And an act of kindness. My wife and I were worried about you. Would take her to an unexpected place. I want to find you. That's what we'll do. Where the future. I'm having this baby. 
is written in the past. Take this needle. It's very scary, I know. Oh, she was quite a sensation back then, wasn't she? What was the name of her little boy? Joey! What a mess you made! Joey. And the darker side of love. He said he loved me. His mother's trying to keep him away from me. Mothers can be difficult. And in it, Bob Hoskins, the wonderful British actor, plays a serial killer. And there are flashbacks to his mother, played by Arsene Hanjin, um, Adam's wife, who was on a cooking show. And he watches reruns of his mother's old cooking show, matching her recipes in between killing young women. And he picks up one young girl in particular, and she fights back. And none of the others have fought back, but she does. And it's, it's a really creepy movie. And Adam made it after his great success with The Sweet Hereafter. And it caught everyone off guard. Bob Hoskins especially caught people off guard because it was a very different role for him. He's very dapper. He's very droll. And yet he's a madman. He's absolutely insane. And I loved it. I saw it at the gala in 1999 and it knocked me out stunning. Wow. It, it must have been very shocking, him having done what, like Roger Rabbit and Mario. Well, yeah, Roger Rabbit, Mario, Mona Lisa, I'd seen him in that. To do this was just just a radical departure for him, but he was great. Very good. Oh, my number two, Denis Arcand. Can you guess what I'm going to say? Jesus of Montreal. Jesus of Montreal, yep. Jesus of Montreal refers to the gospel according to St. Mark. Advertising for Eau de Cologne. The brothers Karamazov. The dubbing of pornographic movies. The Big Bang. Jesus of Montreal. It touches on everything that is unavoidable. Lothair Bluto, Catherine Wilkening, Rémi Girard. I just watched it today too yeah uh, man the uh, the idea of a of the man doing a new passion play for this priest uh and really digging in deep to actual history and giving them uh a more uh uh how can I put it? It's not just the Christianity aspect that he put into it. Like he took from the Talmud and other sources. Yes. Really yeah. like made people think about who Jesus was. Mm -hmm. The people love it except for the priest. Yes. He's so against it. And then the man, uh, Lothair who played Daniel, the guy that wrote it and became Jesus and was Jesus. His story starts emulating that of Jesus in the Bible. It does. It does. And I, he's, I, he's He's the same guy from Black Robe. I'm not saying his name correctly, obviously. I can't do the accent like he can. But he, uh, he was exquisite in that movie. And that's one of my favorite Denny Arcan films. It was my number six. If we could do 10, it would have been number six. That's right. I tried. My number two is Last Night. For what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. And what I do find pathetic is people who don't know themselves or people who don't like themselves and as soon as they hear that the world is ending they rush out and try and hook up with someone like it was closing time at studio 54. i don't give a damn people are always saying the children pity the children I'm tired of the children they haven't lived 
give them first, watch their friends die. Which you, you have a little lower down on your list. And I agree with you, it's fantastic. It's a, I think it's a black comedy about the end of the, the, end of the earth, um, written and directed by Don McKellar. It's beautifully acted by everybody. Sarah Pauly is in this, Don McKellar, the works. And you mentioned Sandy O, and she ends up with Don McKellar traipsing around trying to get home to her husband. Yes, and yes. I'm not going to ruin the ending because people should have seen it. It's more than 20 years old. At the end of the film, they decide that they're going to do what she and her husband were going to do, and they're holding guns to each other's head. But at the end of the end of the world, rather than despair, they find hope. There's a glimmer of hope between them, and they kiss each other. And it was it was absolutely breathtaking to see that in the cinema for the first time. And Don's greatest achievement. If Don never makes another movie, he made this one. And uh, you know, well done, well done. So the thing I guessed for you uh, has a Don McKellar uh, uh, connection to it. And if you haven't said it yet. I'd be surprised if it's your number one. <laughs> I'll bet it's the red violin. <laughs> the last sale of the evening, the star of the night, the so-called red violin. Who will start us off? Prophecy foretold of a masterpiece. Maestro. <laughs> that would be born of tragedy. <laughs> It foretold of a journey that would call forth a prodigy. These peoples from the Vals have given us some figures. So what we need now is a... Professional opinion. You ever heard of the red violin? You sure I have stories? What you're saying is... I'm sorry, Dan. <laughs> That'd be number seven. I'm sorry. Uh, but also on the last night, um, Charminian King as yes. a, his grandmother. And uh, there's a great little bit of a, uh, uh, she played Hetty. Oh, no. Jackie Burroughs. Jackie, Jackie's in it, yeah. As the woman running around, letting everyone know just how, how little time they have left. Yes, it's, it's such a great film. And you know what I like about it? The world ends. Yeah. Now, Bruce, Bruce Willis doesn't come in to save the day. Morgan Freeman doesn't save the day. It ends. And it doesn't end in darkness or fire and brimstone. It's light. Everything goes light, and I, an exceptional film. I loved it then. It was in my 10 best of the year, and I still like it. Very good. Well, I hope people take our word for it and give it a look. I hope so. Because it's on CBC Gem, which is free. People need to, need to <laughs> yeah. get that. All right, my number one, uh, <laughs> Black Comedy, 98, was certainly... If by watching it, you can't tell it's a play, I mean, something wrong, because <laughs> you can very much tell it's a play. It's a lot of people sitting around talking. Okay. Uh, stars Joe Mantegna, Sam Rockwell, Laurie Chaikin, directed by Saul Rubinek. Jerry and Tom. Jerry and Tom, yeah. Eddie, you are going to love this guy. Now, Billy, he's not too keen on you being there. This car comes in a week ago. You know what goes through my mind? This car has 80 written all over it. That's what goes through my mind. But Vic, for some reason, he don't seem to mind at all. Wait till you see the interior here. It's not tan. It's not blue. It's, it's red. It's nice. And you watch as Billy and this new guy poke around making chit-chat. Go in there. Check out the radio. Time I told you. And then Vic pulls out his piece. 
almost out of the blue. Eddie, there's something I gotta show you. What? And then he lets the guy have it. And then Vic looks back at you, just to see how well you're taking it. And just like that, the thing is over and done with. Get inside there. I told you to stay in the office. Leave him alone. Oh, poor Eddie. Uh, don't worry about it. For the most part, he was a stand-up guy. Yeah, for the most part. My stomach is sick. It's upset. I have a bromo. Hey, you don't even have your coat on. Get inside. You're all right, kid. Happenstance. You just happen to be there. The second time is coincidence. The third time, well, that's your choice. After that, you are on the job with the other guys. You are watching and listening and learning a thing or two. You are learning a trade. Green Tom, yeah, good film. Good film. Uh, very funny. I'm very um, masterfully shot, too. Like Saul does some things where he transitions from the present day into uh, a flashback all in one take mm -hmm. like it all happens just on the like downstage almost where he turns the camera from summer in one spot over to winter and you see a flashback uh and it's just very funny yes it is yes I, it is he's worked with so many great filmmakers clint eastwood oliver stone how could he not be a decent director yeah. And he certainly was. And he's such a wonderful actor, too. You know, he's just believable all the time. You know, good yeah. choice. Good, good Thank call. You. Thank you. He had some great uh, bit parts, too, for like William H. Macy and Ted yep. And there's a whole bit, the Ted Danson bit happens in a theater where he's talking about the woman he used to love. And it's uh, played by uh, Shelley Cook, who was a stunt coordinator. Yes. They shot like a second movie that plays just for the purpose of being in the background of this Ted Danson scene. I thought that yeah. was another notch of a genius. Well, he had some great ideas. I bumped into William H. Macy on the elevator at the Four Seasons during TIFF. And this, this movie was at TIFF. And I mentioned to him, I said, you know, congratulations on Fargo. I just saw Gary and Tom. And the praise he had for Saul Rubinick, he, he looked at me and he didn't think of himself at all. He said, didn't he do a great job? And I said, he sure did. I mean, beautifully directed. He said, well, I hope he gets some notice up here for it. You know, just selfless, really, really cool guy. Lots lots of praise for Saul and good for him. Yeah, Saul did a great job. I, I, did. didn't, I didn't explain what it was, but it's about some uh, hitmen waiting, yes. to, waiting to do a job. That's how, that's the, uh, uh, the backdrop of it. And then, because they're sitting in a bar waiting to kill a guy, mm -hmm. they decided to talk about their life and how they became hitmen and just the tribulations leading up to this last job that they're on. Yeah. Great film. Excellent choice. So I'm proud uh, of you, Dan. I am absolutely proud of you for including that. All Good right. Call. Well, I didn't get red violin. What's your uh, name? My, my best, my best of the nineties is a sweet hereafter. Adam McGoyans. It's dull in our town since my playmates left. I can't forget that I'm bereft. Of all the pleasant sights they see, which the piper also promised me. In a town 
where no one is a stranger. In a place where everyone feels like family. Something has happened that will change their lives forever. I'm really sorry to come over unannounced like this, but it is important that we talk. I'm a lawyer. Do you hear about the accident? As far as I'm concerned, there is no such thing as an accident. Oh, jeez. Majestic film about a bus accident in a small town that kills all the children but one. And I'll tell you a quick story about this movie. The day I saw this movie at TIFF at noon, my little girl, Aurora, was starting school. So I stayed home to get her on the bus, and Sherry and I walked to the bus stop, put her on the bus, you know, hands against the window, a little face, her little nose scrunched up looking at us, and we waved goodbye. Sherry fell apart the minute the bus was out of sight. I got her home settled, and I flew into the city to see the sweet hereafter. And I sat down, the movie started, and Sarah Polly, spectacular as always, and then a father is following the bus on the highway, and it goes off the road, down an embankment, onto a lake. There's a horrible, horrible stillness. The ice cracks, the bus sinks, and all but one of the kids die. And all I could think of was I put my daughter on the bus this morning. Jesus. And I called Sherry. The minute I get out of the cinema, I called Sherry. I said, is she home? She's home. What's going on? And I told her, and she roared. She thought it was funny. And I told Adam that story, and he roared. He thought it was funny. He said, I'm sorry I messed you up like that. I said, Jesus, dude, you killed me. But a lawyer comes to the town and tries to get the people to join into a, a civil action suit against the, the bus company. And some of them do. Some of the ones that are greedy and want money do. Some of them don't. And it ends up Sarah Pauly is in an incestuous relationship with her father, and she's paralyzed from the waist down after the accident. And he wants nothing to do with her anymore. So in retaliation, she lies and ruins the class action suit. He's one of the guys that wants money. And it's just a breathtaking, haunting film. One of the greatest films about grief I've ever seen. Arsene Kanjan uh, plays a woman who loses her son. And she answers the door. And that's, that's the mask of grief. When I think of grief, and I've had grief in my life recently, but what, what you see with her is just heartbreaking. And it's 18 Genie nominations. I mean, 18 nominations. And I think, it, I think it won 12. And still, for me, the greatest Canadian film ever made. It's the top of the list. I, did, I do remember you mentioning it, mentioning it the, the last time we spoke. So. Have you seen it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Got a copy. Send me your address and I'll mail you a copy. Oh, all right. I'll do that then. Yes. Um, well, great. That's another... I think we had another good list. I think so too. Is, is there any um, of the worst of the 90s that you could think of off the top of your head? Oh, there's lots. Which there's time? lots in the 90s. Um, there's some good ones we missed. Hardcore Logo certainly came from the 90s, and it's you know Bruce McDonald's rock and roll movie. Our Camilla, a vampire film from uh, Quebec, was very good. Mm. Um, and I, I stay away from the worst of them if I can, because I like to... Yeah, who, who needs to watch those? Well, it's easy to write a bad review, but you know, nobody sets out to make a bad movie. You know that. You're, you're in movies. And, you know, something like Cats this year, it really hurt me to have to say that that was such a terrible film, but it was a terrible film. But so many good people, you know, Ian McKellen, Taylor Swift, good people worked on that film. Yeah, and yeah. It, it sucked. It turned out bad. So I... I try to be kind, you know, they all can't be great. Yeah, that's the thing about filmmaking, like, 
no matter how much heart that you put into it, I like no one's there setting out to be like, yeah, let's make a stinker of a movie. That's right. That's right. And Martin Scorsese, I interviewed him a few years ago and I asked him about what he thought his worst film was. And he said, usually the one I'm making, you know, and he talks so fast. He said, well, I always think it's the one I'm making. And he said, but then it turns out it, it's pretty good. So he, he doesn't know what his worst film is. I do, but uh, he doesn't. You didn't decide to divulge it, actually? Pardon? You didn't de decide to tell him what it was? Oh, he asked me. He asked me, and it, uh, <laughs> Bringing Out the Dead, I think is his worst film. I didn't like it at all. But he's made so many good ones, you, you certainly forgive one. Yeah. Great. Another one in the can. <laughs> okay, so I'll be back for the 2000s if you want me. Of course. Okay, cool. Well, I could do this, but you. <laughs> I'm sure there's others, Dan. <laughs> Enjoy your day, Sean. Okay, take care, my friend. See ya. See you later. And just like that, you now have nine movies that you can go and watch. They're some of the best. He even gave out uh, some honorable mentions at the end. Hopefully you all get to watch and enjoy these Canadian films. Uh, thank you to John H. Foote for his time. You can find him on his website, uh, which will be linked in the show description. Thank you for listening to A Plus Podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, pass it along, tell people. Now I told you that I was about to come up with a new format for the show basically uh this weekly upload is uh taking its toll on me i've decided i am going to do this monthly now so the beginning of every month you will have a new a plus podcast to listen to starting with the first of september and if things go well you will be hearing from a show creator i'm gonna get back into uh some TV shows. I'm looking forward to it. See you all on September 1st.